This episode is sponsored by Schwann's.com. What are you having for dinner tonight? Hmm, good question. Schwann's Home Delivery has a solution for you. Stock up your freezer with high-quality frozen foods like premium meats and sides, delicious ready-made meals, ice cream, and more. No subscriptions, no memberships, just a friendly yellow truck that's been delivering food for almost 70 years. Listeners of this show get a special deal. Get 20% off your first order with code YUM20. Check out schwanns.com backslash yum for details. And you're on right now with Jim Dawes. Your daily journal of news, politics, and culture from an American nationalist perspective. On the Mojo 5.0 radio network. And available on demand on iTunes, TuneIn, Spreaker, and Spotify. Shoot me an email at rightnowjimdaws at gmail.com. And follow me on Twitter at rightnowjimdaws. Leave a voicemail and we'll use your call on a future broadcast at 772-245-0750. That's 772-245-0750. Well, the media is on their their jihad, their latest hoax that uh, Donald Trump, probably the most uh, pro-Israeli, pro-Jewish president in our history, is responsible by sending cryptic dog whistles to the Poway shooter for that tragic event. And it really just shows you that there is no lie too big, no um, hoax too destructive for the Democrats to engage in in their jihad against Donald Trump. And if you, if you tune in uh, to any of the cable news channels or even the evening news broadcasts or read the two so-called papers of record truly are enemies of the American people, the New York Times and the Washington Post. You will see that, you know, it took them a, a, a few days, a couple of days, to formulate this latest hoax because it's so improbable and so counter to reality that... Um, well, actually, what they did is they just gave up on trying to cite examples or or be reasons why they could blame Trump on it, uh, on the, the shooting in Poway. And instead, they just uh, made the accusation and claimed it was dog whistles or, or some other cryptic language that uh, somehow Donald Trump had engaged in a Vulcan mind meld with these shooters uh, in Poway and New Zealand and Pittsburgh, all of which, by the way, express their hatred and disdain for Donald Trump. And here's just an example. This is Joy Behar on The View. This is a show, The View, that is actually run by the news division of ABC News. And with the exception um, of the uh, oh, the dark-haired young lady from uh, from Ohio that used to be on Fox News, I'll think of her name in a second, those women on The View don't have uh, too 
brain cells to rub against each other. They make no effort to be fair or informed. They basically just come on and and spout their anti-Republican, anti-Trump vitriol day after day. And here's Joy Behar, the, the leader of the lunatics on The View, telling you why, actually not why, but telling you that she just demands and insists that you believe that Donald Trump is responsible for these attacks on synagogues. I wanted to say something about Trump, though, here, because I was just I wrote down maybe the the line that like last week, um, Biden uh, introduced the video where he brought up Charlottesville. We all saw that it was very, very well done. And it reminds us that we're losing the soul of America, etc. It was very, very well done. Yeah, very, very well done lie that was completely dishonest and will continue to tear this country apart. But Joy Behar thinks it's just wonderful. Now now's where she turns and pivots to blaming Donald Trump for the synagogue attacks. The next day, I believe, was the next day, Donald Trump defends Charlottesville once again, mm-hmm. says that uh, these people were historians. They were more interested in Robert E. Lee than uh, the fact that they're saying Jews will not replace us. Uh, they were just a bunch of historians. Again, ignoring the fact that he condemned the Nazis, he condemned the white nationalists and the Klan's members. He called them out, said they have no place in America. And he he uh, he made the mistake, and you can't do this with the social justice warriors of ever recognizing any nuance or, or um, complexity. He simply pointed out that the historical preservationists and those that wanted the statues taken down were good people, while at the same time condemning the, the Nazis, the Klansmen, and Antifa. It's not terribly complicated. But the, the Democrats will force you, if you allow them, to lay prostrate and just uh, admit that they're right about everything and that you are a morally retarded, uh, defective person if you do anything but capitulate to their arguments. Right. Why don't we just lock up Doris Kearns Goodwin then? Mm-hmm. Okay. Then on Saturday in the morning, this... What an idiot. Assault on the synagogue. Mm-hmm. And then Saturday well, afternoon. Let's catch that again. Mm-hmm. Okay. Then on Saturday in the morning, this assault on the synagogue. Mm-hmm. And then Saturday afternoon, our hearts are with the victims. So he is talks out of both sides of his mouth. Mm-hmm. He's provocative. He right. gives dog whistles constantly to these people. And then Kellyanne goes out there and defends him and says, no, no, no. And he's like, yeah. no, no, no. Well, Take responsibility for your actions, Mr. President. You one of the, are the culprit. One. So the reason that the killer attacked uh, Poway is because ta- Trump talks out of both sides of his mouth and sends dog whistles. Now, you notice that she conspicuously omitted any of actual examples of these dog whistles are speaking both uh, out of both sides of his mouth because, in fact, they don't exist. We'll play it again and, and just see if you can discern any actual substance to her charge. Our hearts are with the victims. So he is talks out of both sides of his mouth. Mm-hmm. He's provocative. He right. gives dog whistles constantly to these people. And then Kellyanne goes out there and defends him and says, no, no, no. And he's like, yeah. no, no, no. Well, 
Take responsibility for your actions, Mr. President. One you of the, are the culprit. This, the is, this is broadcast throughout America on the ABC network by their news division. That's what passes as, uh, as analysis of current events at ABC News now. And, of course, it's not um, unique to ABC this is uh, New York Times' Brett Stevens pursuing an equally as empty charge that Trump has created the environment where things like Poway and Pittsburgh and New Zealand can happen. Yeah, I think that um, Eddie really touched... I'm, I'm not sure if I mentioned that New York, uh, the, Brett Stevens is a New York Times columnist. ...on the core point here, which is that... Uh, Even if the president doesn't approve, condone, support any of the people who have carried out the kind of killing that you saw in San Diego or before that uh, at the Tree of Life synagogue in uh, uh, in Pittsburgh, his the whole tenor, the whole spirit of his politics gives these people what they see as a kind of permission. It it reminds me... uh, he doesn't have to support it. He doesn't have to condone it. He can condemn it in the strongest terms possible. But because he doesn't lay prostrate before these people and admit that he is evil and, and the second coming of Hitler, then he's responsible. That's absolutely absurd. I'll play it again. Uh, even if the president doesn't approve, condone, support any of the people who have carried out the kind of killing that you saw in San Diego or before that uh, at the Tree of Life synagogue in uh, uh, in Pittsburgh, his the whole tenor, the whole spirit of his politics. It's the tenor and the spirit of his politics. Now, keep in mind that this is a guy that ran for president to make America great again, that has presided over the uh, a, a jobs boom, and finally, after 40 years of failed establishment policies in Washington, D.C., is returning uh, increased wages, but it's his tenor. See, he shows up at these uh, these rallies, and he actually has middle America, once again proud to be Americans, engaged in productive activity, but we can't have that because our cultural Marxist overlords are determined that we must admit that we are somehow morally defective and that we are the source of all evil in the world, no matter how blameless we are in any of this. I got another clip for you. This is a a lunatic guest. Uh, uh, His name escapes me. As you get older, the names uh, seem to fall out of your ears. But this is what passes for an expert analyst on MSNBC also blaming Trump for uh, Poway. Much darker. And the fact that he said it before, he always tries out these lines, always at rallies, and then he escalates. And what's so depressing, as Daniel Dale and other reporters have pointed out. When he's talking about darkness there, he's referring to the fact that Donald Trump condemned the Democrats' movement to uh, legalize, as they have in Virginia and New York, actually, I think the bill failed in Virginia, although the, the governor wanted to sign it. 
partial birth abortion, including after the child has been born. I wish I had this clip handy with uh, Governor Northam in Virginia stating exactly what the bill authorized, that the baby would be delivered and kept comfortable, and then a discussion would take place between the mother and the doctor of whether or not the baby would be killed. Now that is truly dark and evil. But because you see, Donald Trump said this was wrong, which any normal, morally um, uh, satient being would recognize, then he's the problem. Back to this MSNBC so-called analyst. Is that when these rallies happen now, we've become almost numb both to the calls for violence, the fascistic language, the entire spectacle is fascistic. Um, and therefore, you know, it's reported on as, oh, Trump takes a dig at his opponents. Trump makes provocative remarks. But as you say. Now, let's be clear. What he's calling fascistic is actually more a representation of his racism. He doesn't like it that um, gr- large groups of white people are gathering and, and Trump does have some diversity at, at these meetings for people, for uh, minorities that can think for themselves. But he doesn't like it to see so many white people in one place confident and pushing back on this cultural Marxist agenda that's trying to be jammed down our throats by the Democrats and the mainstream media. And so what he determines is they're fascists. Look, they're, they're self-confident. They're happy. They're white, and they're, they're, uh, they're not capitulating to our demands that they admit that they are evil. The fascistic language, the entire spectacle is fascistic. Um, and therefore, you know, it's reported on as, oh, Trump takes a dig at his opponents. Trump makes provocative remarks. But as you say, it's much darker than that. This is a president who's willing to incite violence against Democrats, against minorities. He's... This president is inciting violence, he says. Really? The Democrats have gone on a two-year, or actually three-year hoax to convince the people of this country that the president of the United States is a traitor and a puppet of a, a hostile foreign regime, all based on a lie. And daily, on 90%, of the of the big media in this country, the Democrats' opposition media, they regularly call him Hitler and Mussolini and a, and a fascist and a, a Nazi. I'm surprised, to tell you the truth, that they haven't actually gotten this president killed or, or at least a, an attempted assassination against his life. They have so vilified this man who really has only... Um, Sin is not going along with the uh, the establishment agenda in Washington D.C. that has sold out this nation's interests, and he speaks bluntly. He uses uh, he he uses plain language to describe what they've been doing, and you had the law enforcement and intelligence agencies mobilized by a former president to try to take down this guy because he was going to upset the apple cart in Washington, D.C. that's been serving their interests at the expense of the American people. Back to this clip. 
Now talking about having purged scum from the FBI and the CIA, which is something I never thought in my lifetime I would hear a Republican president not just say, but get cheered for. I've said it before um, in print and elsewhere. I worry that when time comes for him to lose, if he loses the next election, he won't leave because he spent years inciting violence. You see, they're saying once again that if he loses, that he won't give up power, that he is a would-be dictator. This is actual an incitement to violence. If you actually believe that there's a Nazi and a, um, a Manchurian candidate in the White House, and you're a mentally unstable Democrat out there, such as James T. Hodgkinson, you would be encouraged to take up arms to try to stop it. And then they pivot around on their, their heel and try to claim that Trump's the Nazi, you see. Because he called Joe, Sleepy Joe Biden. Or he called Jeb Bush, Low Energy Jeb. Or he wants to secure our borders and keep um, so-called refugees from countries with large radical Muslim terrorist populations from from coming into the country to commit another 9-11. Anything short of total capitulation and surrender they will characterize as fascistic while at the same time deploying their Antifas in the streets to bust heads, attack cops, and burn stuff down. And the very notion, the very notion that the Democrats and their mouthpieces in the media would try to bring Trump for anti-Semitic attacks when the Democrat Party has become the, the home, the shelter for anti-Semitism, as expressed by Ilhan Omar, a radical Islamic representative from this, uh, this enclave they've created in Minnesota, or Rashid Tlaib, an acolyte of Louis Farrakhan at the Nation of Islam, or AOC, or any of the other really anti-Semitic Democrats that they have turned a blind eye to, they couldn't even bring themselves to condemn outright Ilhan Omar's repeated anti-Semitic statements. They tried to turn that around and, and, uh, and make it a condemnation of Trump supporters. And this is not, you know, just one-off uh, statements by someone who misspoke or something. Excuse me for that. You've got this BDS movement that's designed to boycott, disinvest, and really crush Israel because Israel uh, is surrounded in the Middle East by hostile Palestinians and Arabs. You've got this movement to try to um, to crush them by uh, disinvesting and, and boycotting Israel. And that's a major a movement inside the Democrat Party. And then they, they want to claim that Trump is causing anti-Semitic attacks. Every one of these shooters, by the way, and you probably know this, but I'm going to say it again anyway, every one of them, the one in Pittsburgh, the one in Poway, and the one in New Zealand, 
I keep referring to New Zealand. New Zealand was actually an attack on a mosque. But every one of them hated Donald Trump. Claimed that he was a, um, you know, uh, a, a puppet of Israel and anti-white and all of this other um, crazy things that you, you hear on the internet. And oh, by the way, it's the same New York Times that Brett Stevens, who's uh, claiming that Donald Trump is responsible for this because of the tenor that he's created. It was the New York Times that published blatantly anti-Semitic cartoons, not once, but twice in one weekend, had to pull them down and apologize And the New York Times has got a long history of this. They, in the World War II, they, uh, they covered up the Holocaust. And oh, by the way, they also covered up the fact that Joseph Stalin was committing mass murder after World War II. The New York Times has no moral standing to condemn anybody for anti-Semitism or fascism. I got a clip I'm going to play for you here. It's kind of long, but I think you need to hear it. This is Steve Cortez on CNN pointing out that the Antifas, the left-wing communist Antifas that have become the Democrat Party's shock troops, are no better than these Nazis. And they are no better than the Nazis, except for they're more organized. There's way more of them, and they actually have the sanction of the mainstream media. This is Steve Cortez arguing with Andrew Como, Kumo over there on CNN. That right now. Chris, Steve, to your point, though, here's, here's the thing. Let me, let me bounce back at you on this. He said two things, okay? And I do want people to remember, he wasn't on this correction campaign back then. He had plenty of opportunities to do it. He didn't. He said two He's talking about this correction campaign. I played for you yesterday, and if you didn't hear it live, you can go back and listen to it. Exactly what Donald Trump said when... The mainstream media tried to mischaracterize his statements. He came out and said it as plainly and forcefully as you could possibly say it, and they continue to ignore that. And now you got Chris Como actually on CNN saying it never happened. Back then, he had plenty of opportunities to do it. He didn't. He said two things. One, there's blame on both sides for the violence. Now, Steve, you can talk alt-left all day long, and that's fine with me. I have no problem with it. People who are rogue actors and criminals deserve the harsh treatment of the law. But whether you want to talk about Antifa or Black Lives Matter or any of the groups that assembled that day to fight against neo-Nazis, you make a moral equivalent between those two actions, you're making a mistake. Well, let's talk about Black Lives Matter, Chris. Black Lives Matter whipped up a frenzy that actually resulted in their adherents killing over a dozen cops under the Obama administration. In Dallas, in Baton Rouge, Louisiana, in New York, people that followed the Black Lives Movement, and it is the classic case of leaderless resistance, went on an assassination spree against cops. But all that was just stuffed down the memory hole over there at CNN and MSNBC. Of the groups that assembled that day to fight against neo-Nazis, you make a moral equivalent between those two actions, you're making a mistake in America. The president did it that day. 
and you know it was a mistake. Uh, I don't know why you don't own that. No. Chris, you and I have talked about this before. I do not make any differentiation between neo-Nazis and Antifa. Just because they claim in their name that they are anti-fascist, their tactics are, in fact, totally fascist. One of the groups was created to kill people they don't like. The other group, and and Black Lives Matter, has hangers-on and aberrant act. How is this guy, Chris Como, on a major network, and he's so ignorant of, of history... Antifa was created in Europe as a communist version of the Nazis. And the Nazis were responsible for the death of millions of people. Well, guess what? The communist movement was responsible for the death of hundred of 100 million people. And the, the Antifa movement in this uh, United States that we've allowed to take root is just an extension of the old communist um, shock troops. we got to run out to a break. When we come back, we're going to be joined by Karen Strahan. She is, uh, I brought her in to talk about uh, women in the Democrat primaries, but uh, she's got a lot to say on the state of feminism as well, and you don't want to miss it. She's, uh, she's very interesting. We're going to be back right after these messages on Right Now with Jim Dawes. This episode is sponsored by Schwann's.com. What are you having for dinner tonight? Hmm, good question. Schwann's Home Delivery has a solution for you. Stock up your freezer with high-quality frozen foods like premium meats and sides, delicious ready-made meals, ice cream, and more. No subscriptions, no memberships, just a friendly yellow truck that's been delivering food for almost 70 years. Listeners of this show get a special deal. Get 20% off your first order with code YUM20. Check out schwans.com backslash yum for details. Whether you're moving in together for the first time. This can be your closet. Or you're a new parent to a little fur baby. Viva paper towels can help you maintain a clean home. They're two times more durable when wet compared to the leading value brand. So they clean like cloth, helping you pick up after your new pet in your new home. For an exceptional cloth-like clean, use Viva towels. Visit vivatals.com to learn more and start fresh with a clean feeling of home. And you're back on Right Now with Jim Dawes, your daily journal of news, politics, and culture from an American nationalist perspective on the Mojo 5 radio network. The field for the Democrat presidential nomination has swelled to over 20 candidates now, including six women. But in spite of the Me Too movement and the Time's Up movement, the Democrats claimed commitment to diversity and women's empowerment. All of the top polling candidates are white men, and the top two are old white men. So what's up with that? To discuss this, we're joined now by Karen Strahan. She's a spokesperson for Men's Rights Edmonton. You can find them online at mensrightsedmonton.com and a contributor for a avoiceformen.com. She's a prominent men's rights advocate. And you may have seen her on YouTube where she's got a BAFO channel called Girl Rights What? She's the mother of several children and publishes naughty novels. Karen, 
Thanks for joining us right now. Oh, yeah. No, you're welcome. And my novels aren't naughty. <laughs> I mean, they're dirty, dirty filth, but they're not naughty. So. Well, this is a family program, Karen. So, um, well, okay. yeah. you know, it seems like the Democrats have spent the last two years telling us that, um, you know, it's time for to break this glass ceiling and men, especially old white men, should sit down and shut up. And allow women to uh, to take their rightful place after at long last, and yet in spite of this, we got old Joe Biden driving this uh, this twenty candidate clown car, and old Bernie Sanders he seems to be riding shotguns. So what's going on? You know, honestly, I think it it really has to do with the uh, the. I suppose you could say the Trump's branding of many of the candidates, right? So you have Elizabeth Warren, she's Focahontas. Um, you have uh, uh, Kirsten Gillibrand, or Gillibrand, who's, uh, who's uh, the only plank in her platform is, is rapey rape rape edition of, of you know, uh, stuff, right? Like, you, you literally have these uh, women who are, they they are attempting to ride on the coattails of indigenous peoples. They're attempting to ride on the coattails of sexual violence against women. They're like they they are one issue candidates. At least they're seen that way, right? And uh, and then you have uh, somebody like Joe Biden, who's just he's he's just White like bread. really. Yeah, he's very white bread. He's very he's like real white wonder bread with mayonnaise. Um, he, he's just, he's Velveeta, (laughs) Velveeta on real white Wonder Bread. Well, you know, he's been Um, in Washington for over 40 years and he's got damn little to show for it, except for, you know, becoming a nonstop gaffe machine. And you just got to believe going into 2020, if this is really the best they got, and he's hovering now around 30% in the polls and sadly mild. I wouldn't, I wouldn't say he's, I wouldn't say he's got nothing to show for it. He's got the violence against women act show for it, which is like really egregious in my opinion. It's, it's one of the the worst pieces of federal legislation that's ever passed in the U S blocks men. It took the gender neutral family violence prevention and services act uh, that was passed by Reagan in 1984 and turned it into the completely gender biased, uh, Violence Against Women Act that that cut men and boys out of uh, benefits and services in over sixty different uh, provisions, right? Of that act, right? So um, he really has proven his feminist credentials in terms of the legislation that he's willing to pass, right? He may be grabby, creepy you know, all of those things that he's been labeled as recently, uh, a little bit gropey, um, you know, people, people might be mocking him in that respect. But when it comes to legislation, right, he essentially said in 1990, during his first attempt to get the Violence Against Women Act passed, he said, um, in my house, it was a nuclear sanction it didn't matter what my sister did, you know, it didn't matter what she had done, it didn't matter whether she had hit us, uh, me or my brothers, it didn't matter any of that. If we ever laid a finger on her, 
right? It was a nuclear sanction from my parents, and I have the bruises to prove it. And well, he's proud of that. Well, I sort of he's grew up in that. I sort of grew up in that that milieu too. I had brothers, but I had uh, a whole passel of uh, female cousins, and um, you know, I've had my head busted with coke bottles and uh, and stabbed with butter knives and all of that. But uh, you know, we were we were brought up strict, and and you know, if I had sons, I would raise them the same way that you do not hit a woman under any circumstances. Well, you withdraw. There you go. There you go. But when when you actually look at how that plays out under the law and how that plays out in relationships, right, when you give one sex carte blanche to physically assault the other sex, right, and never be retaliated against because the moment that the other sex retaliates against you, then they go to prison, they go to jail, they get prosecuted, uh, they get demonized, right, then you're essentially giving one sex carte blanche to do whatever they want um, to anybody. And so what we really have here is, is this, uh, this attitude, and I think it's, it's a very feminist attitude, that women should be allowed to do whatever they want. Women should be free. They should be liberated. They should be allowed to do whatever they want. They should suffer no consequences. There should be no repercussions. There should be no uh, fallout from that. So if you have unprotected sex and you get pregnant, no problem. You got abortion. You got the morning after pill. You got all of these options, right? You, you, there are no consequences. I like to tell people women. I'm pro-choice. You ought to exercise your freedom of choice before you engage in unprotected sex. I've got daughters, and I tell them that I'm pro-choice. You make the choice well, you know, but, beforehand. But here's the thing. Here, here's the feminist attitude towards that. He made his choice when he had sex, right? Even if she poked holes in the condom, you know, he made his choice when he had sex, right? But she makes her choice up to, you know, the day before the baby is due. Uh, she, she has the legal right in some states to abort that child. More and more right? states. So, yes. Yeah. So, I mean, you, you're looking at you're looking at a situation where what what we're seeing and and I agree. Right. You know, one of the things that, you know, I, w- I was one of three sisters. We didn't have any brothers. My dad had a vasectomy after me. I was the youngest because uh, in his words, he wasn't going to be uh, the lone hormone in in a family of five women. Um but he also wasn't no way any son of his was going to grow up with three older sisters like he did, <laughs> right? Because his older sisters were abusive, right? So, you know, he, he just put his foot down and said, okay, we're done. But um, the, the way my dad kind of put it was, you know, you are my girls, but you will live up to my standards, right? And that's, kind of why I got involved in all of this. It's why my, you know, one of my sisters is like, she's high up in government. She was high up in the military. She was, you know, like absolutely, she's 100% uh, the person, the go-to person for certain things. Um, You know, like she's super reliable, not flaky at all, all of that stuff. Right. But when, when you actually look at 
how, like, when my dad was talking to us, one of the things that he said was, out of all of the things that could get you on my bad side, which were very few, disrespecting your mother. Certainly. Disrespecting your mother is one of them. Well, that's because a man's supposed to watch out for his wife, and a wife is supposed to watch out for her husband. So uh, I, would, I would expect and, you your know, dad to say that. And and one of the things that, one of the reasons I think that I grew up and, and got the views, uh, formed the views that I did about men and women is because I never, ever once heard my mother or my father ever tell each other to shut up. Um, they, they never, ever called each other names. They never yelled through things, nothing like that. They had their disagreements. Oh, you had a deprived um, childhood, young lady. Listen. I absolutely <laughs> did. It was a blessed childhood. Yeah, you've, you've got to uh, come up with uh, some sort of uh, horror stories so you can get in on some of this intersectionality. But I want to jump back in on this uh, this race because you, you, you touched on a subject briefly that I think has gotten too much of a pass for Joe Biden. I, You know, if you want to sort of be handsy and over-friendly friendly with a grown woman, that's one thing. A grown woman has the agency, although you could argue that she doesn't if, if it's the vice president with a bunch of Secret Service men. But she, uh, you know, can can rebuff Protest, his, yeah. his, his uh, boorishness. But the way that this man has laid his hands on little children really offends me. And I don't think it's something like Tucker Carlson has blown off and and a lot of other uh, conservative writers have shown how fair-minded they are by making nothing out of this. But the way he has put his hands on children, if he had done that to one of my children, I would knock him on his butt. Um, and he's done it right there in front of cameras, which makes you think that maybe the man has a screw loose. Um, you know, it actually doesn't make me think he has a screw loose. Like, the, the fact that there are cameras there is actually his protection. Like, that's that's really um, <coughs> what it is, is, is um, the fact that there are cameras there, there are cameras rolling, there are cameras pointing at people. Right? That's what's going to make people, uh, I guess, shrink away from making a scene mm-hmm. they're, they're not going to make a scene when there are cameras like multiple cameras pointed at them right that that's actually um it's something that most people don't really consider in terms of you know oh you, you're you're being recorded so of course you well you can tell by to... watching the children that they know it's inappropriate because they're pulling away and and trying to you know get back to their parents but um yes you know, it's uh, it's yes. really, really creepy behavior. And so, you know, we've got Joe Biden. Um, he is a, a an empty shirt as far as I'm concerned. And, uh, you know, I'm quite sure if he becomes the Democrats nominee, that Trump will uh, just skewer him. But it kind of well, blows what, my mind that, what, um, you know, coming up. Go ahead, Karen. What, what I find blows my mind is that somebody who's actually willing to uh, to uh, touch children and women in ways that make them visibly uncomfortable on camera, and the cameras again are not—they um, are not something that is 
is going to prevent him from doing that. That actually gives him license to do it because the people aren't going to make a scene in front of the cameras, right? Um, they aren't going to rebuff the second most powerful man in the free world on camera. They're not going to do that. Um, so essentially what he's, he's doing is he's abusing his power, um, but he's doing it with women and he's doing it with children, with girls in particular, and, uh, and he's the person who is essentially saying, yes, my sister had carte blanche to, to beat on me. I have the bruises to prove it when he was trying to pass the Violence Against Women Act. So, I mean, like there is, there is something seriously, um, I guess there's a, a level of cognitive dissonance going on or some kind of weird pathology going on with him where he he thinks he is pro-woman but he's he's willing to touch women in, inappropriately it seems like a lot of these male feminists are um or closet creepers and and abusers uh that's just been um you know something that i've noticed uh, the, the 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 evolutionary biology uh term for it is sneaky effers I'm I'm using the efforts, um, you know. Because, I do I do appreciate that, Karen. Yeah, but uh, the- go ahead, Karen. Okay, so so sneaky efforts is a evolutionary uh, biologist term for. Males of a given species, usually in a harem species, a species where the top 20% of males sire 90, 95% of all of the offspring, um, where they actually take on the physical properties of the females of that species, and therefore they're able to sneak into the harem. Um, they're able to essentially pretend to be female or female enough that, that that male doesn't see them as a threat, that male doesn't see them as uh, a competitor. And so they, uh, they go in and they uh, have sex with females who may also not see them as a potential threat or even as male. They, they just are just essentially like, okay, well, I, I trust this this individual because it looks like me and it acts like me uh, until, yeah. So, I mean, like that's, I think that's what, uh, uh, that's a lot of uh, what's behind male feminists and male SJWs, um, you know, those sort of uh, pudgy around the middle, Beta boys. Uh, round face. Yeah. Well, you would call them soy boys, I guess. Yeah. Um, you know, those kinds of males that, that really can't compete, they, they sneak in the back door into the harem and, uh, and essentially, uh, there's, there's a huge, why didn't I talk to you? Why didn't I talk to you when I was a teenager? Well, you know, I don't know, but all I know is there's a huge long list of men who, you know, who essentially say, I am feminist. I am feminist who are, like, absolutely... Um, Harvey Weinstein. You know, like... Well, yeah. 
or Al Franken. There was a guy. There was a guy um, it, amongst the circles that I travel in, right? Because I, I I delve into nerd culture a little bit, so comic books and video games and and things like that, right? Right. And there was this guy who had a channel called the Skeptic Feminist, and uh, he ran it with his two girlfriends. He was uh, what you call polyamorous. He called himself Russian Deadpool, but his his real name is Alexander Kolpakov. Um, And uh, he had essentially... uh, I always got this horrific vibe from him. In fact, I actually did an interview with him, and I told my producer, I'm never going to be in the same room with that guy. Like, I will never do that. And it was because he he spent the entire interview trying to force me into a victim box, right? Trying to force me as a woman into the woman as victim box. That's what I find and, so repulsive uh, about feminism and, is and, that, that, that they try to yeah. steal away women's agencies and pretend that they don't have their own sphere of influence and power and it's absolutely it's just absurd. absolutely and and one of the things that uh shocked the entire community because there were some people among my circle right of you know men's advocates and stuff who were friendly with him you know he seemed to be willing to talk he seemed to be willing to debate all of that stuff and you know anybody who's willing to debate we're like happy to actually debate with them um, and communicate with them because there are so few people who are actually willing to give us the time of day, right? But um, then all of a sudden, a news article comes up and there's a picture of him and he's just killed one of his girlfriends. No kidding. Just shot her, shot her in the chest. Wow. Right? And and it's it's like, I saw it coming. Right. Mm-hmm. Like I, I was like this, this guy is like, he is not, he's not a feminist based on principle. He's not a feminist based on, on, you know, the facts. He's just he's using it as a vehicle based, uh, to be a, to, to, to be a predator. Well, he's a feminist based on the fact that it gives him a feeling of superiority as a male. Right. It, it actually, like, what what would make, and I've asked this question multiple times, right? If I were, if I were a rapist, right, or a misogynist, where would I want to hang out? I would want to hang out uh, in places where there are lots of women who are emotionally fragile, right, who talk about how difficult and impossible it is for women to report when they've been raped, but who want to talk about rape all the time, right? Like that would be the place that I would want to be if that was what got me off is, you know, I would be, I would want to be among a bunch of women who say we're victims. It's inevitable. It's rape is, is inevitable. Um, it's, it's, it's a product of masculinity, not an individual's choices, Right, so it's society that made you rape, not you and your choices, right? And also, um, here's all the reasons why I wouldn't report you if you did it to me. Mm-hmm. That would be where I would want to hang out if I was a rapist. 
right? And and I'm just like I'm I'm looking at it and I'm going, you know, the, this idea that women are weak and men are strong, right? Oh, that's part of patriarchy, apparently. Well, yeah, no, but it is the primary central tenet of feminism. Right. You make a good point. Mm-hmm. They, uh, yeah. they, the, their victimhood is sort of built into the whole philosophy. It is, and it's not necessary. I, it, it, it claims to be empowering. At the same time, it, uh, it, it uh, diminishes women. It does. I, I actually think that feminism, most of because most of the statistics are inflated, right? So, you know, you might hear one in five women will be sexually assaulted. Well, on campus, they're saying that uh, one in four women on campus are being uh, raped. If that is, in fact, the case, then uh, women would flee from these places uh, because everybody would know somebody that is being raped. It would just be one big rape fest and and people would be going to jail. This whole idea that they can adjudicate rape cases with college tribunals is absurd on its face. If you actually believe somebody committed rape, you've got a a responsibility to take them before a judge and have them thrown in jail if they're found guilty. Agreed. Um, But one of the the problems with that is, is that we're not talking about one in four women being raped. We're talking about one in four women being sexually assaulted. And um, sexual assault includes things like having your bum padded without your consent at a nightclub. Well, uh, you probably uh, have superior knowledge in this area, but my understanding was that the, this whole uh, rape culture um, uh, hysteria for college campuses was claiming actually that one in four women would be raped sometime during their college years. Oh, it, that was back in the 1980s, and only 27% of the women who were designated as rape victims agreed that they were rape victims. Right. So, I mean, you're, you're looking at, uh, you know, a study that was done by Mary P. Koss back in the 1980s on behalf of Ms. Magazine. Right. And uh, and she essentially said that 74 percent of the uh, the women who she designated as rape victims uh, didn't agree that they were rape victims. Right. So 73 percent. Sorry. Um, so you're, you're looking at a situation where, uh, where things are complicated, right? And, and you're also looking at a situation where, you know, there was a study done, uh, of a bunch of Ivy league schools. So, so really high profile schools in the United States that found that 27% or something like that of the students on campus would be sexually assaulted, not raped, but sexually assaulted. So that includes attempted rape, rape being patted on the bum, all of those things, right, uh, by the time they graduated from a four-year degree, right? And, uh, and they extrapolated it onto all of the press, extrapolated that onto all schools across the U.S., which is completely bogus because if you actually look at the numbers that are reported under the Clary Act, which is the numbers of... Uh, the numbers that schools have to report. Schools have to actually disclose when somebody reports to their school that they've been sexually assaulted. Okay, so you actually look in that study 
and you find the study had itself had a 19% response rate. So they sent out every, out of every 100 uh, surveys they sent out, only 19 people responded. Um, but you're looking at this situation where they asked a question. It was hidden in the data tables. Nobody really took any notice of it. Um, where it said, uh, if you were assaulted and you, uh, were you assaulted, sexually assaulted, and did you report it to your school? So there's a number there, right? The percentage of people who were assaulted who reported it to their school, right? And then if you actually extrapolate that onto the general population of colleges across the United States, it's nine times. It's off by a factor of nine. Because if you report it to your school, it goes into the Clary Act. That's a known number. That is a known number, and it's still off by a factor of nine from this study. Wow, have we? I, I was sexually assaulted and reported it to my school. And, and the idea that uh, somebody would report um, a sexual assault and that, that they're supposed to adjudicate it within the college uh, confines, some, some sort of extra judicial due process, I always found oh, that's ab- ridiculous. absolutely absurd. Absolutely ridiculous. They've got, um, they've got know, police like not- uh, on campus. Police can certainly go make an arrest, and the, the local courts can, you know, uh, adjudicate and find out whether or not yeah. there really was in, anything to it. Well, and and essentially, one of the things that uh, that the Obama administration uh, got rid of was uh, there were some schools who actually required a person who was reporting a sexual assault to the campus authorities um, to also report it to police, I'm and the that. Obama administration got rid of that. And and I'm like. You know, this this is not okay, right? Because it doesn't matter what side of this you're coming from, whether you're coming from a position of being an advocate for the wrongfully accused, right, or whether you're coming at it from a position of victims and potential victims of sexual assault, right? N- none of that is okay. We we have right? a court because, we have a court system for a reason, and it's it's well, not it's you, not perfect by any means. If you just remove him from the campus. <laughs> then you just put, what are you doing? Just you removed the, him from the campus. You put him into another population of women to, to pray and again. allowed him to to do to continue to do what he does. Exactly, Karen. We're uh, we're near the end here. Uh, we've strayed far from our topic, and uh, you were so compelling that uh, we never got back to it. But I want you to to give a plug to your uh, to your groups and uh, tell people how they can get in contact and follow you. Well, you know, you can get in contact with me uh, at Girl Writes What on Twitter or uh, YouTube uh, slash user slash Girl Writes What. If you have and, not uh, looked at if, uh, Karen's YouTube and, channel, and if, you do yourself a favor and check it out. I, Go ahead. If I'm, if I'm going to plug anyone, it'll be Tulsi Gabbard, but she's much too sensible for Man, the Democrats. To I was forward. really wanting to get in on Tulsi Gabbard. She's polling under 1%, and she's the only real one in the whole 20 uh, member um, field that uh, really has anything interesting to say well that takes us to the yeah, end of this edition she'd, of she'd america be immune from trump's branding 
As you make plans this season, consider convenient COVID-19 testing from Quest. Get the same test hospitals use without a doctor visit. Simply order online, select from drive through or at-home options, and get the results sent securely to your phone or computer. It's a great fit for your busy life. With over 20 million COVID-19 tests processed, you can count on Quest. So order your test today at questcovid19.com. That's questcovid19.com. This episode is sponsored by Schwann's.com. What are you having for dinner tonight? Hmm, good question. Schwann's Home Delivery has a solution for you. Stock up your freezer with high-quality frozen foods like premium meats and sides, delicious ready-made meals, ice cream, and more. No subscriptions, no memberships, just a friendly yellow truck that's been delivering food for almost 70 years. Listeners of this show get a special deal. Get 20% off your first order with code YUM20. Check out schwans.com backslash yum for details.